0: Hello and welcome to another Profiles of Endurance. I'm Father Scott Vanderveer. Many families seek to have children and build the family one child at a time. But life doesn't always hand us an opportunity like that. At times, people can experience multiple child pregnancies and today's guest experienced that in a very big way. Kathy Amodio shares with us today about what it was like To, in one pregnancy, wind up with three children, and how she has found her way through the ups and downs of motherhood and advocating for her kids throughout the years. And Kathy joins me here today, and I'm so glad that we're having this opportunity to talk. Kathy, start from the beginning, talk to me a little bit about growing up. Where are you in your family's uh, child situation, and what was your family life like growing up?
1: I am the oldest of four children, and I grew up in Albany, New York. Um, I, let's see, I'm, uh, there's three children that are girls and one boy.
0: Mm. Um, Where are you in the lineup?
1: Um, I'm first, and then there's a girl that's two years younger than me. Then my brother is five years younger than me, and my sister is last at six years younger. You're
0: the, you're the oldest. You're the matriarch. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I had the, the trailblazer here. Ah, yeah.
0: at, but trailblazer, <laughs> that didn't mean sometimes the oldest is the one who is the most responsible. Was that your story growing up? Were you the responsible, uh, very strict and regimented one?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, let's see. Uh, as a child, I was pretty quiet and, um, I was very studious. Um, and then as I became a teenager, I was more about stepping over the line and trying things out. Mm. Yeah.
0: What was your hope for your life? What were your, what were your main goals for like what you wanted to be when you grew up and what your life would be like?
1: I think every little girl wants to get married and have like that fairy tale like happily ever after thing. Mm. So, um pretty much that's what I wanted. I, I never really thought of the children thing. Um, Mm. always just wanted the, the husband and the career and the fancy clothes and the house Mm. and the the happily ever after, like Cinderella or Barbie. Um, so, um, you know, it was always about college. My parents were both, um, college educated. They were teachers and then administrators. So it was always about education. Um, we always had to get good grades that was a very very important thing. Um but um yeah ne- never children never really factored into this the the storyline.
0: Career was the main focus. Career
1: and education was the main focus.
0: So interesting. And you your parents have a a situation that probably puts you in the top 1% of, you know, or 0.1% of families. <laughs> Both of them went on to the highest level of education you can. They both got PhDs. Yes. So yes. That's, a remarkable, that's a remarkable thing to grow up with, with people who aim so high. And, uh, and they both use those for administrative service-type type roles, which Correct. is pretty impressive. So what was the role of faith in your house growing up? What was your, what was your childhood faith like?
1: Um, we were not active churchgoers, goers. Um, Growing up, we were all baptized, Mm -hmm. um, and we all made our first communion. Then uh, we all went to um, classes again and made our confirmation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, sacraments were very important, but we were not every Sunday people. Um,
0: I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. (laughs) Yes. A lot of our listeners can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you feel, was there ever, was there any family figure, maybe on the side, a grandparent, who um kind of shook their finger at you and said, you know, you really should go more or or was that kind of absent from your family story?
1: Yeah, that really wasn't there. Um, except my dad's grand my dad's my grandmother, my dad's mom had um, you know, all the little um statues and the
0: mm. the, the
1: little um I don't even know what they're called, but the the baby. The like,
0: infant of pride. Yes.
1: Yes. With the fancy dress. <laughs> with the fancy dress. Yes. yes. Um, so I always, you know, I always saw those little figures and the crucifix on the wall and stuff like that. Um, but no, nobody ever was like, oh, you should be going to church every week or, you know, saying, oh, God is watching you kind of stuff.
0: Um, so where did, where did you meet the man who would become your husband and the father of your kids? In college. Mm. did you knew did you know that he was the one
1: I knew that he was a lot of fun
0: mm. um he
1: was super outgoing, very very handsome mm. um, everyone liked him mm-hmm. um just and a person that was um people were immediately drawn to mm-hmm. He was just a um you know Italian but with blue eyes and Just, um, vibrant and just fun and nice and just a great, great, great person. Everyone was drawn to him.
0: How long did you date?
1: Um, gosh, uh, we were, we dated a couple of years before we got engaged and Mm. we were engaged for four years before we got married. Wow. Why such a long engagement? To finish college.
0: Yeah. That was the priority. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was very clear. Yes. Education was important.
1: Very much so. Mm. Very much so. He did not finish college, um, but Mm. went into the workforce. um, And then um, when we got married, um, you know, we, we, uh, you know, lived our little happy life.
0: (laughs) How far had you gone in your education when you were settling down with him?
1: Um, I was working on my master's degree, I, that's about a, yeah. In what field? Education.
0: Mmm. So, and was your, what was your career goal at that point?
1: Um, well, as part of being a teacher, you need to, um, f- to get your, your master's degree. That's yes. part of the certification process. So, yes. so you do your four years and you have to do that fifth year as part of your certification.
0: There it is. Yeah so you you get your you're working on your degree and you get married what kind of conversations did you have about parenthood together
1: um well we're both from italian families so yeah. <laughs> you know uh we knew we wanted to have kids but it wasn't you know necessarily like an immediate need <laughs> right so um you know it was just kind of we were enjoying each other's company and um just being married you know kind of working on that relationship.
0: When the time came that you were ready, (laughs) did you find conceiving easy?
1: Not at all, Mm. no. Um, I had already had some medical issues in the past, Mm. so we were pretty much aware that it may be difficult, um, and I already was approaching 30 years old.
0: Mm -hmm. So, how did doctors get involved to help?
1: After about six months, um, or so we, you know, approached some doctors, experts and, um, kind of went the route of, you know, just doing a little bit of medication to mm. see if that,
0: that could help us out. And we were lucky enough that it did. It did. So you found out after, after how long had you been, have you, had you been trying when you found out you were successful?
1: Um, after, yeah, about the six to eight months or so. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, and then you find out that you're pregnant. What were you feeling?
1: Um, (laughs) It's funny, actually. Um, I remember getting up early and, um, you know, because they give you a certain amount of time, you have to wait, and then you do the little test. Getting up early, going into the bathroom, doing the test, and the little, like, pink line comes up, and then I immediately threw up.
0: (laughs) From emotion or yes. morning sick? <laughs> no, it just emotion.
1: Yeah, There yeah. it was. There it was. Yeah, because I was like so scared and just overcome. Yes.
0: When did you realize that your pregnancy was not the typical expected pregnancy?
1: Um, I think I had like that first ultrasound like around four weeks or six weeks or so. And um, <laughs> they told us. I, you know, I'm, I'm on the table, they're doing the ultrasound. They told my husband to, that he might want to sit down.
0: (laughs) So, um,
1: they actually said that they thought they saw four. Oh my. Yes. Um, but they weren't sure that there was definitely three, that the, the fourth could be a shadow. Um, it might be too early to be sure. So we had to um, wait and, and another couple of weeks and have another ultrasound.
0: And the waiting was... Did you, did you believe it <laughs> right away? Did you believe it? Or oh. were, was there a part of you that was in total denial? Oh,
1: no. Because when I go, I go big. <laughs>
0: you do. <Yeah. laughs> so th- at least three babies you're finding. At least three babies.
1: I, I kind of had a feeling just from the very beginning that... I would have t- twins, Wow. just because that's kind of the way my life was. Because, like I said, I go when I go, I go big.
0: Wow. Yeah. What's it like having that much life inside of you?
1: Um, scary. Mmm. Um, very scary. Uh, exciting. Um, I mean, just having any life inside you is exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think there's a lot of men. Who don't put words to it but are uh, quietly envious that this is an experience that uh, we can never fully understand. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think it shows up in parenting too. The bond between mothers and children is something that sometimes uh, men are watching on the sidelines and mm. thinking, wow, yeah. look at that. Look at that. So, um, when did pregnancy start to get mm-hmm. uncomfortable?
1: Um, about three months in, I started to, you know, get sick in the mornings, mm. um, because with a multiple pregnancy, you have a lot more hormones oh. going on in your body, um, that are not normal with a single pregnancy. Mm. So a lot more sickness, a lot more fatigue, um, and, uh, growing much faster. Um, by four months, I looked like I was nine months pregnant.
0: How can your body contain it? I mean, I just, you know, we all know that pregnancy involves lots of stretching and shifting, including stretch marks for the skin. (laughs) How did your skin, how did your body contain all of, all of that life?
1: Um, well, um, Thank goodness I'm a big girl to begin with. <laughs>
0: you, know? you have a build that helps. I have a
1: build that helps. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just keep, um, somebody told me, put cocoa butter on your belly all the time, you know, wow. help help your, your skin to, you know, stay elastic and, you know, uh, so I, I, you know, somehow I did it.
0: Even the word elastic. <laughs> The no. word, I mean, you think yeah, it's about, like, it's literally what's happening. Yeah,
1: it's literally your belly becomes mom jeans.
0: Wow. <laughs> was there at any point during the pregnancy where you couldn't work, couldn't move around? Did you ever have to go to bed?
1: Um, actually, yes. Um, I was found out I was pregnant in March, and by May, the doctor wanted to take me out of work. Wow. And I begged the doctor to let me finish the school year.
0: Because you were teaching?
1: Because I was teaching. And they let me finish the school year if I was laying down.
0: <laughs> so, while teaching?
1: <laughs> while teaching. It was elementary school. So um, they brought me in one of those like chaise lounges, like the old fashioned ones with the like um, aluminum. Like frame wow. from like the 60s or whatever and the, the cushion on them that you could kind of like put up the back like a chaise and I literally laid in the chaise and taught like the last six weeks of school from laying in a chaise.
0: This is an amazing <laughs> mental picture. Right? And I can picture exactly the kind of lounge you're describing. Yes. It yes. was on our grandparents' porches.
1: Exactly. Had the like little wheels so you could pick it up and move it. Yep. Wow.
0: <laughs> and were you working for a city school district
1: at the time? I was working in Lansingburg School District. Lansingburg. Yes. So for
0: those of us listening, that's an urban school district in Troy, which is a it's a big, densely populated neighborhood of Troy. Mm-hmm. Um wow, that's really Yes,
1: remarkable. they were very accommodating.
0: Accommodating, yeah. It's an amazing story. Yeah. So, summer comes. When did you give birth? October. October. Yes. What? Now, you're speaking to somebody who holds women in awe for the ability to go through labor and to go through cesarean procedures. I am in awe. Um, Some people who go to church here know that I had hernia surgery last summer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was... I don't... I think it was the biggest news of 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it was a very big deal. um, And I know that it's probably among the the most minor forms of abdominal surgery you can have. Um, What was it like to give birth to three? How long was your labor?
1: Oh, um, well, in between, before I got to that part, I was, like you you said, bedridden for a long time after I... um, finished my teaching through the summer, I was bedridden, um, in St. Peter's, of, in the ho- not just at home. Oh, no, no. I was, um, <laughs> I was, uh, put to bed at four months because I went into preterm labor. Wow. And that happened a few times. Wow. And so I was in the hospital, um, bedridden for almost the rest of the pregnancy.
0: And so the thing that stops labor from happening too soon, am I right? Is it a combination of reduce your movement, stay laying, but all do they give you some medicine too? They they... do, yes. Good. Um,
1: Which uh, is not pleasant.
0: And that's not pleasant?
1: No, it's not. No, it's not.
0: So for all of us who, Mm -hmm. I mean, for people like me, March, April, May, that quarantine time was the first time I had ever... Been so confined and was told, stay here, don't go anywhere. You experienced something way harder than that. Oh, yeah. Way so, harder. Yeah. How, how, how long were you in the hospital altogether? Um, they, let's see, four,
1: five, six, seven, three months. Whoa. Yeah, about the time of quarantine. So really, yes. those
0: people who've been through coronavirus yeah. at least have a sense of the time. And it's, yes. a, it's a pretty daunting amount. Yes. What was your husband like during that time?
1: Um, yeah, it was hard. You know? Yeah. I mean he'd come and see me, he'd bring me some food. Wow. You know, like, please bring me some Taco Bell. Yeah. Please really. bring me, you know, McNuggets. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he'd bring me different food because, you know, hospital food. Yucky. Um, you know, after eating it for three months, you know, you want something different. My mother would make me homemade food and bring it oh. to me and um, but then you know I couldn't have soda I couldn't have coffee um, and then you know they're like okay no more fast food too much sodium um, wow yeah so it it was tough um, I and bet. I had no view out my window Ooh. it was a brick wall oh um, brother <laughs> so and I watched a lot of Law and Order I think every season
0: <laughs> what was going on inside of you with your emotions
1: the waiting is the hardest part mm. yeah
0: even though what you're waiting for is as painful as it is joyful, right? <laughs> right. You're yes. gonna go through something big to yes. get to the other side. Yes. Um. Did you make it to nine months? No. No.
1: No. Seven.
0: Seven months, which yeah. is that? It's a safe zone, though.
1: Yes. Yeah. Wow. There were. Um. It was very touch and go. During that time, um. I had a a very spiritual experience during my that time that I was in that waiting hmm. um, they had to put me in um kind of like an induced coma for a couple of days wow. and during that time, I had a very intense dream like mm. Where, because I was just so depressed and ready to, you know, wanted to give up, but Mm. I couldn't, couldn't give up. I had three lives, Mm. you know, but just so torn as to, you know, this was just terrible, like, on my body and my spirit. And um, so during this time that I was like in this coma state, um, (sighs) I had this dream of Jesus. And, um, he came to me and basically said, you know, (laughs) very, you know, just said, look, I I endured the desert for 40 days, (laughs) you know, you, you can do this, Mm -hmm. you can do this. And when I, you know, when I came out of this, you know, induced coma or whatever it was, this medical, you know, um, I, I was like, okay, I, I can do it. I can do it, mm. and um, and that's kind of the approach that I've taken ever since having the kids. Is I've just kind of looked to God and to Jesus that they will help me through whatever I come across with the kids. Wow! Because He promised me that.
0: You know, I love I love that scripture. Something that. We have recorded in scripture that he went through. He was able to draw from and say, "Don't forget, I've been through this." And if I and if I'm with you and yours, and I'm realizing what is so cool is there are people listening to this right now who are going through something. Maybe there's this might be forwarded to somebody who's been told you you have you have triplets. You're going to give birth to to, to triplets. And they are now hearing, I can do it because it's been passed now from Jesus to Kathy to them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is just so cool. It's just so cool. Wow! Thank you for sharing that. Did, when you when you came out of the coma, was it did it it did help you? It was different.
1: It does. It was different. Oh. It was different.
0: Wow. It's amazing too because you know whenever you share a story like that, you want to make it so that somebody who's not comfortable with that level of sharing or is, um, is not maybe as strong a believer as you might be can accept it. So you say, it's kind of a dream, it was kind of a... But we all kind of, like you and I are both kind of feeling like dream is a, is a, is a very mild way to say what it was. It was a visit. It was. It was a visit. Yeah. How beautiful. How, long, how much longer did you have to wait after that?
1: Um... <clears throat> another month or so and then uh they allowed me to go home and i was home for about two weeks um because they said i was out of the danger zone Mm. so they allowed me to go home but i still had to be on bed rest um at that point i was living with my folks Mm. um my husband had gone to boot camp
0: Whoa. In <laughs> so, which branch of the military? Uh the army. The army boot the camp. Army,
1: yeah. Um he uh, he was going to boot camp. I was had gone home to my parents' house and was in bed and um just woke up from a nap and sneezed and my water broke. Wow. <laughs> so October sixteenth. Wow. And that was that was the day they were born.
0: Could you be driven to the hospital or did you need to be rushed?
1: Um, my parents took me to the hospital. We only lived, um, they only lived a few miles away. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, well, what was birthing like?
1: Um, well, they, uh, they had to uh, prepare. They had a special surgical team for me. And then a special NICU team, three separate NICU teams for each of the babies. Wow! Yeah, so it was a whole, like, big ordeal. Um, They, you know, I I think that happened at, like, maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then they were ready for me to go into the surgery at, like, 6 o'clock,
0: 5.30. And is surgery (laughs) cesarean a form of cesarean? Yes. Yeah. 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 And is that, tell us, for those who, I, I don't know, is that typical for triplets
1: Yes. Yeah. It is for, um, for safety reasons. Yeah, I bet. Um, the third child, if you try to birth naturally is deprived of oxygen too long. Wow. Um, uh, so they, that's, um, that's the typical, the typical wow. delivery
0: method. Yeah. What did you, so you, you have, you, were you at all conscious during that surgery or were you completely out?
1: I was conscious during the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Uh, Well, you don't really kind of see anything. They put like a little, you know, curtain kind of thing, like a little half curtain. So you can see, you can't see them making incisions, but you could see when they lift each child. Oh, So it was pretty amazing. Yeah. And my mom was allowed to come in and videotape.
0: This exists?
1: It exists. Yes. Wow. Because, and the only reason they allowed her in is because my husband was at boot camp and couldn't be present. So they allowed her to videotape. Wow. So that was what an amazing special. thing to be able to do. Yes. So
0: special. Yeah. So special. Were these the first grandchildren in the family? They were. Oh, they have. Boy, they're remarkable in every way. Yeah. Every category these kids yes. are yeah. remarkable. What were they telling you about the babies as you were, were they able to say, Here, this one's a girl, this one's a boy.
1: Yes. Well, we, we knew that you, already you from you the beginning. You did um because of having to prepare for so many babies. Oh, um wow. it was important to know the genders. Um just so that we knew were we preparing for three girls, were we preparing for three boys, what you know, um because the preparations were just enormous and expensive. <laughs> what what was
0: your house situation like then?
1: Um my parents uh house um luckily had a mother-in-law apartment.
0: Ah,
1: and so that's where I moved in, and uh, it was uh, like a living room, bedroom, kitchenette kind of thing. So I actually moved into the living room part with, and the little the uh, like bedroom, like living room, kitchenette area. Like we made uh, the baby's room, so it was like this big open space. So there were three cribs. Mm. And my room and three eventually three bouncy seats and three swings and um, a cha- one changing table Did only need one of those uh-huh. can, I can only change one at a time um, but yeah, it was just like it looked like a, a nursery I can't yeah.
0: <laughs> and expensive Let's face this you're young you're young in your career. Yeah, this is expensive.
1: Well, you know what we were very lucky. Um, people just came out of the woodwork. I have a crib. I have a bouncy seat. I have a this, I have a that. Um, and um, Mata Christi has a big uh, garage sale every year. Oh. And um, that's where my sister's
0: husband's family attends. This parish in Albany.
1: Yes, and so I was able to go to their big trash and treasure sale ah. and you know, pick up so many things there so reasonably. Um, and that's you know, that's what we did. What a blessing. You know, to, to, I mean, to outfit, uh, three children, you know, just ridiculously expensive. And we were able to do it.
0: When they briefed you on your children, what did they tell you?
1: Um, the three were, um, obviously had to stay in the NICU, but, uh, they all, um, had the little nose candelas. They had to be on oxygen.
0: Oh, they did. Yes. Um, how much did they weigh?
1: Um the first was three pounds seven ounces. Oh. Um the second was four pounds seven ounces mm. and my baby was three no the first was three eight, four seven, three six.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. And, and so you're meeting tiny, yeah. They're tiny, yes. which is typical also yes. for triplets. Yes. You can't have yeah, right. And uh, you there's two girls and a boy. Two girls and a boy. Aww. Yes. which is so cool. You know, yeah. I guess I never thought about triplets being all different genders. I guess I should have known that, but it's <clears> yeah. <throat> and they
1: were fraternal, obviously the boys and the girls, but the girls are fraternal also.
0: They're also fraternal. Yeah. So interesting. So they uh they're they're they've got some of those twin qualities, but they also are. Very unique individuals. Correct, yeah. Wow. So they're in the NICU, and what are they telling you?
1: Um, that they seem healthy. Um, the first night, we had a lot of difficulties with the boy. Oh. He um, had a little heart defect, oh. um, something with his heart valve. Uh, they had to give him a transfusion the first night. Mm. Um, they were able to correct the valve with some medication, um, so he didn't require any surgery, which mm. was wonderful. Um, but it was pretty touch and go for him the first night. Um, they said that's typical for preemie boys oh. that they can have um, some difficulties. Um, but um, but other than that, um, they you know they grew stronger and. Um, they were eating and you know just getting their lungs were getting stronger and that's that's the hardest part is is the lung development mm. and um, eventually about a month later the girls came home and it took about six weeks for um, my boy to come home
0: I'm just realizing as I sit here for any mother or father who's dealt with worry which can be a chronic issue for parents they're hearing your story and they're like Three babies means three times the worry. Oh, yeah. You actually get to say, this one's doing well today, but this one is struggling today. This one's lungs are more developed. I mean, that's really scary for a mother.
1: Yeah. And to have to, I I would go to the NICU every day, but to have to split your time, holding, you know, touching, you know, because you want to make those contacts with, but to have to split your time between three different babies, I would be there for hours, you know, which is good. But to have to split your time between all of them, it's
0: very difficult. You can't stay in the hospital that whole time. You're driving in. Oh, yes. You're driving in. Mm -hmm. And the school year is on, so you're on maternity leave. Yes. Where's your husband at this point?
1: He uh, is in December. So they're born in October. In December, he finished boot camp. He was given leave for the month of December. Wow and then he was
0: uh, shipped off to texas come on did you agree with his decision <laughs> to to join the army at this time was that a, was that a joint decision cuz i just think that must have been so hard for both of you well um
1: he we both decided that you know he wanted a career
0: he mm. he was
1: working um, you know like a retail job that uh, was only going to put him so far on a ladder sure and um, this was a career that he could rise in and um, provide for our Love. large family. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, it was a difficult decision, and we knew that you know it would be hard to move around with babies eventually. But, um, but yeah, yeah. And uh, when we found out that we were going to be eventually stationed in Texas, that so far from our family. Oh, boy. It was really hard. So he went on the and lived there um, a year on his own before I joined him.
0: And you joined him with year and a half year olds? Yes. <gasps> wow. So before we get there, what were the early months like? How does a person adjust from being childless to the mother of three overnight? <laughs> um, don't
1: remember a lot because <laughs> I didn't sleep. Um, thank God that I was with my parents. My sister and her new husband were living in the house as well because they were saving for their own house. Come now.
0: That's a lot of human beings. So
1: there was a lot of people that pitched in, <laughs> Wow. Um, you know, crying babies in the middle of the night, you know, waking up my sister here, take this baby. <laughs> you know, um, But, you know, they were working. My parents were working um, and I was home all day with babies. Um, it was, it was very hard.
0: Was there any previous experience in your life that you were able to draw from to be able to do this? Because I'm just realizing, what if you were, like a lot of people when they're young, we're kind of self-centered. We, you know, we like what we like. We <sighs> oh lo- my gosh. Right? How did you become <clears throat> so other-centered that you were able to make your life completely about these three young beings?
1: If you ask my mother... I am the most self-centered person you will ever meet. Really? (laughs) Yes. It is, even since as a child, it was always about me. (laughs) The world always revolved around me. And um, I think that I've always said from the beginning, the reason that God gave me three babies Mm. was to teach me patience (sighs) and empathy Oh. And that there are more people in the world than just me.
0: That is, I mean, talk about a complete change of direction, though. Yes. I mean, one baby might have taught you that in a gentler way.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I told you, when I go, I go big.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the theme. <laughs> wow. Were you up for the spiritual workout? How did, you, how did you rise? How does a young person rise to that?
1: Um, community. Mm. I used the the community and my village. Mm. Um I was uh um an an active participant in what was then St. Margaret Mary's parish in Albany. Yeah. Um and uh as soon as my babies got clearance that they could go out in public, I took them to church and when I was in the church, I didn't have any babies because they were going around the congregation. Oh, I bet. <laughs> everybody, the minute I'd walk in with those three little car seats, everybody was, let me get that baby, let me get that baby, and I could worship
0: in peace and everybody else had a baby. You're bringing up something so important. Yes. You become famous when you have triplets. Oh yes. You're immediate in your community you are famous. Oh yes. Yes. So everybody <laughs> knew you as the woman with even if they didn't know your name. Yes. The mother of the triplets. Right. And I'd sit right up front
1: I sat right up front, and everybody in our little section would just kind of hold the babies, and they'd pass them around, and they'd feed them. Oh, that is so cool. It was wonderful.
0: Am I missing a piece? Did church become important to you overnight with having these babies, or had you been ramping up your church attendance over time? You described that whole idea of, after confirmation, you did did your sacraments, and that Mm -hmm. was important, Mm -hmm. but regular church attendance in your childhood wasn't important.
1: How did that change? Um... During the time that I was going to the confirmation classes, we also had a youth group. Oh. And so I was involved in the youth group, and um, I also uh, was singing in my choir at school, and I joined the choir at church. How cool. Because a lot of the youth group... Uh, kids were also doing um, the choir at church, and we had a wonderful choir director, Tom Savoy.
0: Oh yeah, he's famous. He's famous yes. in the Albany area.
1: Yes, and uh, he um, was just so, so wonderful, mm. and so uh, we had such a great time in mm. in church choir, and so I continued with that all through um, through high school. And even when I went to college, I, um, I, I would sing with him. I, there were some times, a couple of years that I took off, mm. um, and, and wasn't singing and wasn't attending church. I think in my years where I was kind of figuring out me and what I wanted. Sure. Um, but when I met my husband and I knew that was what, you know, the path that I wanted to take with him, then, uh. We went back to church and started to make that part of our, our routine um, because we wanted to, to get married in church. We wanted our, to raise our children Catholic. and um, So we kind of went back after that. And I went back to the, to the choir while I was there. And, and then obviously when I got pregnant, I couldn't do that anymore. But as soon as the babies were born, I was right back there. and
0: Fantastic. Yeah. So you had your village. Yes. That's pretty yeah. awesome. I guess I'm realizing... It would be so much harder to be the mother of triplets without a church community. Oh. It would be, and without a faith practice, because I can only imagine how much you relied. The worry alone, the exhaustion alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's each part of this, you had a place to put it.
1: Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know that I could have done it
1: without my family, my friends, my, my community. There's no. no way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. There, nobody makes it on their own. None of us makes no. it on our own. No. So as, as your children start to develop and you start to get the hang of this and you and your husband are getting the hang, you no longer are shocked by being the parents of three. You're getting used to it. Oh,
1: I don't know if you're no longer shocked. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. The shock <laughs> continues throughout the years. I believe it. <laughs> because you. each stage uh, with, I'm just like with each stage with a, a child, each stage is new and different. Now you have each stage with three of them <laughs> it's It's a shock at every stage.
0: I get it i i can I can see it looking from the outside in. wow. At what point, obviously, these children are fraternal and they are um, they're not in uh, the perfect image of each other. They're all individuals. But you at some point realized that um, they were not all able to experience life in the same way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When did that start to become evident to you?
1: Um well they I mean they all reached their milestones at different times. Mm. Um one would, you know, walk sooner than the other. Oh. Um one uh, never crawled, mm. scooted <laughs> and then would walk.
0: Oh. Um
1: uh with um I mean, two of them have special needs. Mm. One more severe than the other. Mm. Um, we uh, we have one that excels at a lot. Mm-hmm. We have what I like to call a spectrum of triplets. You do. <laughs> I do. Um, I have uh, my son has severe um, autism. Mm. My oldest daughter has autism as well, but um, she's on a higher end of the spectrum. Mm. My middle daughter is what we call neurotypical. Ah. And uh, she's kind of the spokesperson for for the three, always has been since she was little. Wow. Uh, The protector also? Oh my, yes. Ah. yes, Yes. Um, We realized that they were not developing at the same level about nine months or so. Approaching on one year, um, my son was not doing the same things as my daughter's. Uh He was um, engaging in repetition, a lot of opening and closing cabinet doors. Hmm. Not responding to his name hmm. um, not um just not doing the same thing the girls were doing mm-hmm. um not babbling hmm. those kind of things
0: Is this now looking in retrospect? Are they uh typical signs
1: Yes, they are they are yes typical. they are, although um much earlier than um than children with autism. Um, then they're noticed. Oh, interesting. Yes. yes. Most children with autism, um, the signs are noticed um, later, 18 months to two years old. Interesting. And we we were able to notice them much sooner. It's a great
0: benefit, um, perhaps, of being an educator, too. You yeah. were given some skills. You were given some training. Right, right. Did you have your master's by then? Mm, yes. You yep. did. Mm-hmm. So, wow. What did that mean for you? What does it mean when the milestones are being reached at different times and you're starting to notice behavior that is is varied among the three? What do you do?
1: Well, it's funny. um, At that point, autism was not as widespread or known as it is now. Yes. So we're talking 2001. Wow. So um, we knew that there were some developmental issues, Mm -hmm. which is not uncommon with preemies. Sure. So, uh we would uh talk to the pediatrician, of course, and well, boys develop slower than girls. Mm. They're new, you know. They're preemies. They're going to be about two months behind anyway because they're two months premature. Well, let's just keep an eye on it. Those kind of you mm. know things. Mm. So, um, right before we moved to Texas, we had his hearing tested. You know, we had the um, the. EI people, the early intervention people, come in and test them all and, um, you know, and his hearing was fine, Um, yes, they were a little bit behind, but that's to be expected because of their, you know, their age and their, you know, the fact that they were new, you know, preemies and Mm. um, so we moved to Texas Mm. and, um, you know, just went on with life and things got, they got further behind. Interesting. Yeah.
0: What was it like being without your village in Texas? Were you able to find a church?
1: Um, I was. Um, not a lot of Roman Catholic churches. No. <laughs> what
0: part of Texas are you too?
1: Colleen, um, Texas, dead center.
0: Dead center.
1: Yep. About uh, two and a half, three hours north, uh, south of Dallas, an hour north of Austin.
0: Not a Catholic area.
1: No no um but we found one
0: mm. we found one.
1: Um, they were very welcoming, mm. and they even had child care so that we could go and worship and have the the children in um but um my son became too much for them in in the child care.
0: What were they seeing <clears throat> what would what would make him too much
1: um Trying to run away, mm. throwing things, mm. um, trying to bite,
0: ah.
1: um, and all out of frustration without you know, not being able to communicate with others. How hard. Yes. So um, you know, that, that made it difficult for us. So we would have to, you know, we, my husband would stay home and I would go to church by myself. Yeah. And then that became a stress on him, staying home with the children by himself. So eventually, gave up going to church. It was just too much.
0: At this point, you don't have a crystal ball, but what are, you, what are you anticipating? As an educator, you're thinking, what kind of a future were you envisioning at that point? For my children? For your children and for your family. <clears throat> um,
1: well, um, I wasn't envisioning anything. I was just trying to get through each day.
0: Eat one day at a
1: time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And worried constantly about their development, what was going on? You know, uh, there two of them are not talking. Yeah. You know, why, why aren't they talking?
0: Wow. And were you working in Texas?
1: Um, I eventually did go back to work mm-hmm. um, at, at, a, at an elementary school. I mm-hmm. did, and they went to um, they went to a preschool like program like at three. Yeah three going on four. And I thought maybe that's what they needed. They needed socialization outside of themselves. Sure. You know. Um so that seemed to work for a bit. Um and until they the <laughs> until they would tell me, "Oh, your son is so wonderful. He just sits and plays by himself all day." Ah. Uh, and that was like, "Wait a second, red flag." Right. This is not good. Why is he playing by himself all day?
0: Right. Right. So we
1: went back to doctors. Okay, we need to send you to developmental specialists because this, yeah, there's something else going on here. He's still not talking. He's still, you know, doing all these repetitive things. Um, now he's lining up toys. Now he's, you know, doing things that are just not.
0: A parent 20 years later, am I right, would not need to work so hard to find someone who would have the ability to diagnose this because Correct. you, now people know what they're looking at. Yes. You were an early, you were an early adopter of this. Oh yes. This early pioneer. Pioneer. Oh mode. yes.
1: Yes. What yes. a
0: hard, that's a hard thing. When your children's <laughs> development is at stake, you don't, it's not fun to be a pioneer.
1: No. No. Ooh. No, I spent the next 10 years reading everything I could get my hands on, going to every workshop, um, traveling all over the place to workshops, to San Antonio, to, um, you know, once we moved back to this area, you know, taking classes, taking online classes, workshops, eventually going back to school, you know, for autism. Um, Yeah, it was tough.
0: Wow. How long did you stay in Texas before you moved back?
1: Um, we moved back in 2005 in the summer.
0: Got it. So yeah. there was about about four years down there?
1: Yeah. That's a long time. Yes.
0: It's a long time.
1: I spent a lot of it by myself because my husband went to serve in Iraq.
0: Um, these challenges are a <laughs> lot to hear. <laughs> All right, to our listeners, are you following this? Are you following this? <laughs> he was in Iraq. Uh-huh. All right, so now we're talking incredible fear about your husband's safety. Yes. Fear about your ch- children's development and a crushing workload taking care of three children without your village. Yes. A- wow. What were your prayers like during these days? What uh, was your prayer? Constant. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, so coming back was a blessing. Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. After his tour was up, we needed to come home. Yeah. I needed to come home to my family.
0: Understood. Yeah. Wow. So, was there a a point where it became clear that your son had an avenue he could he could use to get the help that he needed?
1: Um, it was. Because autism was not, you know, really known, it was in, you know, really just starting to um, appear and and be studied and looked Mm. at. I had to fight for everything. Everything I had to fight for. He needs music therapy. He needs speech therapy. He needs sensory therapy he mm. needs this um everything was a fight with school districts with uh insurance companies with um therapists
0: um with the army with <laughs> and as, sadly a lot of it comes down to money doesn't it people don't want to spend the money That's needed correct they're they're thinking you're being an indulgent mother right helicoptering your your son of course yes meanwhile his needs are great
1: he, yes he doesn't speak. He, his, he hits his head against the wall because he has no way to communicate. Oh. He bites people because he's angry and doesn't know how to express himself. Yeah.
0: Yes. Wow. Did you find an advocate who was able to help? Yeah, me. It, oh, it wound up having to be you. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And did you say you got, did you do your degree in this work?
1: Uh, eventually, once we moved back here, um, I pursued my um, doctorate in education and a minor in autism. Yes. Did
0: you hear that, listeners? <laughs> Three children. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she got a PhD in the middle of all this. Can you imagine? Did, uh, studies were always a solace for you. Was that true even in this, in this period? Did the study provide you some solace? some solidity
1: yes yeah I had to help my child I had to Mm -hmm. learn every single thing I could I had to be able to go to those meetings and talk um, speak like I knew what I was talking about I had to be able to counter everything negative that they said with a study and a positive outcome to be able to you know fight for what I needed for my child (sighs) And the only way to do that was to continue to study and read and keep up to date.
0: Pioneer is the word. I mean, you literally were plowing forward until the ground. Yeah. Oh, my, my. So take us now to today. Your, your, your children have just gone through another milestone period of their life. We just mm-hmm. celebrated a big milestone for them. Talk to us about that.
1: Um, Well, um, first one milestone for my son happened last summer. Um, He was able to move into a group home Mm. in Mechanicville. For the first time? For the first time, he is um, living with three other boys that are all his age. Young men, I should say. And uh, so he's living on his own now. And uh, he has, you know, round-the-clock caregivers that are also there for... um, they cook for him and uh, they do the laundry and but he has his own room Aww. and you know he has Roku television and he has Wi-Fi and uh, he has his own hot tub um, like you know he, he they they take good care of him and he's happy.
0: Has he developed ways to communicate with his housemates?
1: He he has um, and with us as well. I taught him some sign language, um, which has been invaluable. Um, He also has a program on an iPad that is uh, pictures, um, where he's able to press a picture that has a voice attached to it because he's nonverbal. So he's able to say, you know, press the picture that says burger or, you know, swim or, you know, whatever it is that he needs. Um, and that's just an amazing technology.
0: Incredible.
1: Yeah. Um, and recently he has learned to answer my FaceTime calls. So I can now call him on FaceTime, and he's learned to answer it himself.
0: Wow. Yes,
1: that's been so exciting.
0: Wow. I Tell me what it's like. Empty Nest is something that parents talk about. What is it like when you have had your son? You've been... I mean, I I don't wanna. I don't mean this to um, sound like I'm describing your personality because I actually don't know your personality that well as a as a mom of a of a child who needs advocacy, but you've been some version of a mother bear to, to protect him and help oh, him and guide the way. What's it like to let him give him the wings to go to a group home? Oh boy, um,
1: I felt terrible guilt for the longest time. Really terrible guilt. Oh, because. I felt like I was doing it to, for me. I felt like I was moving him on because he was too difficult to handle anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, since he an, became a teenager, um, he's been more um, aggressive, mm-hmm. um, hitting, punching. Um, he's been destructive, putting holes in walls.
0: And as he grows, he's stronger. And he's
1: much stronger now. Um, uh, it, it, he has, you know, he's he's hurt me, mm. and it, he's very difficult. Child, I say child because he mm. mentally is three years old. Mm. He doesn't. He's an he's a man, mm-hmm. but he's mentally three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can be the sweetest child. You know, Mm. uh, he loves his mama and he loves his sisters. Mm. Um, But when he gets frustrated, he has the strength of a man.
0: Yes, he does.
1: Um, So I felt terribly guilty that I was moving him along somewhere else. And uh, it was my mother that actually explained it in a way that I felt better. She said, if he was neurotypical this would be the time that he would be moving on to college and starting that chapter of his life. You just have to think that he is starting his new chapter of life
0: as an adult. Yes, yes. So. And it sound yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. One of the things that I think would make me as a, and other neurotypical folks frustrated would be to have the drive to want to go out on my own, whatever that meant, and not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. and he on some level has this drive the drive that we all have no matter I want to do it myself I want to do what I can by myself as much and as I he can he does have that mm. he does you know if you try to help him put something in the microwave and
1: press the buttons he push you away no Aww. I got this you Aww. know um, or you know try to help him you know do something else I, I pour juice into his cup I got this mm. you know put his hand up um, in the, I got this kind of motion. Um, so he, there is so many things that he wants to do on his own. Yeah. But that mothering, I just want, my mother says, you can't treat him like a baby. Yeah, he yeah. is a man.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And so that, that was just the, I had to let him go.
0: That's, that's real spiritual work. That's real spiritual. And now you say it, you actually can smile thinking about it. You are happy for him.
1: I am happy for him. And you know, we go out to lunch every week and we have a lovely visit. And then he tells me when it's time to go. He takes me to the door and he does, he He does, takes Takes me to the door and says, okay, mom, it's time for you to go now. (laughs) I love it.
0: Yeah. I love it. So he likes, he likes where he is. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy to hear that. And you know it's interesting he um he's got a beautiful spirit and he act, he's a beautiful looking young man too. He is. He's a very handsome boy. He's a
1: very handsome, handsome, boy, yes. A very handsome yes. boy. Yes, he is a handsome boy.
0: And you have two lovely daughters who just yes. had a milestone as well. They
1: did. They just graduated with their associates from Schenectady.
0: They just graduated. Yes. And which is very ex- And of course, like you said, both of them are in different places with their their needs and their functioning so what what are they what are they working on What is their life project now?
1: Well, um, they are both headed to Potsdam University. Um, oh. My oldest girl um, does have autism, mm-hmm. and she thought that she would stay home hmm. up until last week. Really, her um, her career goal was to um, stay here and attend a. Um, certification program and and work going the workforce and uh after some soul searching uh she has decided now that she would like to attend college with her sister wow. and um I, the two of them have a such a strong bond oh boy. um i was teasing them the other day they've never been away from each other in life more than two weeks Wow! so <laughs> i think you know uh the two of them are um they're like a, a yin and to each other's yang, wow I, you know they they one is a, is the caretaker one is the the strength and you know one is um even though she can take care of herself, she allows the other one to feel like she is the caretaker Wow you know, it's you know it really is um they have an interesting um uh, bond with each other they.
0: It must yeah. be very sweet as a mother to recognize that there is an intimacy between them that you can glimpse, but that nobody gets to be a part of, not even their mama.
1: No, I am definitely
0: not part of that relationship at all. Isn't that interesting? Yes. That's generous yes. of you to let them. I mean, I suppose that's part of parenting, yeah. letting people be who they are and have what mm. they have. But, um, but that's a very, I mean, you gave them life and there they are doing their thing. There's a special mm. thing there. Those of us who know them know there's a special oh, thing. Yeah.
1: Ever since they were I'm they they had that secret twin talk Wow before the oldest could even Speak they had a secret twin talk
0: Mm. What's their relationship like with their brother?
1: Um The one the oldest girl that does have autism um, She calls herself the autism whisperer Wow (laughs) She and her brother have a very strong bond She is very close to him. She says she can feel what he needs, that she understands him, Mm. um, that she can think the way he thinks.
0: Wow.
1: She must be proud. Yes. And she's very, very good with him. She's much stricter than I am. Stricter? She is. She could tell him, no, we're not doing that, and he listens. Where if I say no, he gives give me the come on mama look Ooh. and I give in I'm terrible Ooh. um and then um my other daughter is um she she has a hard time with patience with him
0: ah.
1: because she can't communicate as well with him
0: you know what is so interesting about that is I don't know if we would call um I know that the word disability sometimes falls out of favor, but if, if, if it is true that there is a bit of a differently abledness in being autistic, it's interesting that it's also a bit of a superpower in your I family. agree. It's a superpower. It is.
1: It definitely is.
0: Yep. Oh, it's remarkable. Remarkable. And you now are, you're, you've gone on to get a doctorate in education. And your work, you're allowing your, I mean, this is really going to be a bit of an empty nest. In uh, <laughs> this is a big deal. Tell me about your work right now.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, we've all been teaching online, all mm. of us teachers, um, which has been difficult, um, especially because I actually teach music. Wow. So it is um, not been very musical.
0: <laughs> oh. It's been very,
1: um, you know, paper and pen kind of, you know even though it's online, you know, just very, um, it, it's, it's been very tough oh. to do that, um, uh,
0: online. And I would think music without expression becomes math almost.
1: It, it does. It almost has become very like theory based, Yeah. you know, like, um, right. You know, what are these notes, you know, A, B, D, F, you know, that, that kind of, um, it's, it's been very hard to find lessons that are appropriate to then grade,
0: you oh, know, in okay. a way
1: that can be, you know, then put on a report card. Mm. Uh, so it, it's been hard, especially the, um, the part of like some children don't have access to the Internet or to a computer mm. or, you know, mom, mom's using it because mom's working from home. Yes. Um, you know, they have to wait until later to use it and,
0: and you're working in the city school district here. And yeah. I imagine that you see everybody from every walk of life yes, and all different uh, levels of access and Correct. restriction to access. Correct.
1: Um, a lot of, um, second language speaking people, wow. um, a, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the people with disabilities that are having a hard time learning online, my own daughter, uh, had a terrible semester. Mm. She got through it, but she had a terrible semester online because it's very hard to offer those accommodations for those children oh, online.
0: Um, what, a, what, a, what a miserable situation that is because then both the educator and the student feel like failures. Yes. They both are beating themselves up. Yeah. And it's just, it's not their fault. No, it's just... It's, it's an imperfect, it's yeah. an imperfect situation. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that, um, that is very typical in families where there are um, struggles with um, levels of ability is that it can put a real strain on a marriage. Mm-hmm. And you are very generous in being willing to talk about the fact that you're no longer with your kid's dad. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our listeners um, would appreciate somebody having the courage to share how many things in life can take a toll on a marriage. And, and, and I wonder how much, what's important for us to know in order to understand you about what happens in a, in a family situation that doesn't allow the marriage to survive? I
1: think with my marriage, with our marriage, um, the stress of the triplets plus the fact that my Husband at the time was a soldier, yeah. And the the Iraq War, those two things together um, just tore us apart. Mm. Um, the the triplets were, I mean, for someone to just <laughs> have a- automatically go from no babies to three babies oh, yeah. is Super hard to begin with. Um, and then to live a year away from those babies oh. and not have the time to bond with them. Mm. So basically, he didn't know his children until they were 18 months old. Wow. Um, he saw them for that month of leave that he got after boot camp and then didn't really know them again until they were 18 months old. So hard. So he never really got that early bonding with his children. So when I arrived in Texas with 18-month-olds,
0: they were already, you know, toddlers. And you were different, I'm sure. Being a mother for 18 months of three babies makes you a different person. Oh, yes. He had to get to to know you. Right. I wasn't the wife anymore. I was a
1: mother now. Big time. Yes. And that was my responsibility Not being a wife, being a mother, how hard was my responsibility? So that put a big strain.
0: You really worked at it. Oh, you guys spent time and effort working at it.
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. So um, by the time 2004 came around, Mm. and he was sent away to Iraq, you know, there again. That's you know, just two years later or so. And there he is away again for another year and a half oh of God. time not to bond with his children. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. and there I am again in mother mode and not wife mode. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was, it was hard again, you know.
0: What do you make of all the hard? How do you, where do you put all the hard in your life, spiritually, emotionally? What do you do? Because, I, I mean, you, you're des- the life you're describing... Is an amazing life. We are listening. I can imagine this will be one of those episodes that's just shared broadly. People are gonna be like, this you gotta hear this one. This is amazing. You've had an amazing life. Mm-hmm. And it is, it feels hard in many, many ways. At least challenging. Not hard, like you have there's no reason for anyone to pity you because of the situation no, you've I, had because it's been right. amazing.
1: I don't want that.
0: But it's not easy. It what do you make of all What do you make of the hard spiritually?
1: Um, In the early times, people used to say, oh my gosh, triplets. And I just always used to say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Ah. That was just always my response. And it's just continued to be my response. Mm -hmm. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Obviously, he thinks I can handle this.
0: Wow. And it's that confidence in you that causes you to rise. Yeah. If God believes I can, I'm gonna.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been times that I've been really low. Mm. I've suffered some pretty big bounce of depression.
0: I can understand.
1: But I I guess I made it through. (laughs) I'm here. I'm sitting here talking to you. So they're, you know, it's, it's not that I feel like God has been giving me, um, like tests. Mm -hmm. I don't think that at all. Mm -hmm. I think that these are things that, you know, these children were given to me for a reason Mm. because I was the one chosen to raise them. Yeah. Because
0: I was strong enough. Do you know what is... Okay, that's pretty powerful. That's really powerful. It's because you were strong enough to raise them. And you know what else I really love about the spirituality of that is... Th- they are your children, but it is very clear to you that they were given to you. That you didn't make them. They were created and given to you. Mm-hmm. In, your, in your body, in your spirit. Yes. In your they, they are you. They contain you. But, by a miracle, they were given to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I think the way you speak about them, there's a lot of reverence. Like you recognize that they are they are individuals with their own story and their own journey and their own souls. Mm-hmm. and you 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 have reverence for them. Yes. Mm. I'm so grateful for all that you're sharing, and I want to, I want there's a couple of questions that I'd like to ask folks. Um, whenever we talk about these kind of things, and I'd love to get your response to them. Um, One of them is, many people, a principle that, for many people, a principle that guides their life is, everything happens for a reason. Every single thing that happens is for a greater purpose. It's all a plan. Other people say the opposite. Where where are you on that? No, I I
1: think, I think everything is is for a greater plan. Mm. I definitely think there's... God has a plan for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I've i made many mistakes in my life. Mm. Many. Mm-hmm. But they've all... Those mistakes... And I constantly make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But every mistake that I make, I learn from and I grow from. And it has all led me to where I will eventually be which is heaven
0: uh, <laughs> yes.
1: because that's where God wants me to be oh. and um, and I know you've seen it before but a few years ago I have this tattoo on my arm mm. and it says thy will be done mm. and whenever things get tough or I think I can't handle something I always look here and it's to remind me that it's God's will
0: Wow You've given your your will over to God's will. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. That's helpful. I just think that's really helpful. Because I also feel like then, no matter how much something sucks, you can say, I'm holding on to see where this goes.
1: Yes. There's a reason.
0: There's a reason I'm going through
1: this. There's a reason that this is happening right now. I may not understand it. I may not ever understand it. Mm. It's part of a bigger plan.
0: It's so beautiful. There, a lot of your story, laying in bed with bed rest in the hospital, dealing with a, a spouse gone for, for incredible amounts of time for military service, um, not knowing how you're gonna get the services for your children with special needs that they need because you're hitting roadblock after roadblock. Mm-hmm.
1: Over and over
0: again, you've had to endure things. What is the key in your mind to enduring when you can't yet see the future? You don't yet know where this is going. How do you keep at it in those times, several times you've had to endure? What's the key to that? For someone who right now is saying, I don't know how to endure this. They're telling us that um, the vaccine is gonna be a long way off and even when it comes, it, you know it's not gonna be an instant fix. There's gonna be a process. How do you endure?
1: I think I just have to go back to the to, to my tattoo. Amen. I mean, it's it's God's will. It's I mm. will be done. That's that's always what's kept me going. Mm. It's not what I want. Mm. Even you know, even when I was younger I would always pray, Oh, I hope I get that bike I want. I hope That boy likes me. Mm -hmm. And now my prayers are so different. Mm. So different. Mm. You know, it's... If if it's the right thing, please help so-and-so to, you know, get healthy. When it's the right time for this to end, let it end.
0: Oh. Rather than asking for a particular outcome, you say, may... May the right thing in your time occur.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Oh, that's helpful.
1: Because it's not about what we want. It's about God's plan.
0: Well, and you know, you said it well. I know. I love that you said this. God wants me in heaven. That's where I'm going to oh, end up. God yes. wants me desperately in heaven. God wants to spend eternity with me in heaven. And so because I know how the story ends, I can I can handle season four yeah season four might be a disaster but that's just so right. you'll keep watching exactly exactly
1: because there's a cliffhanger at the end absolutely but you know there's but i know there's going to be a happy ending
0: totally You even are though
1: me. that cliffhanger is going to leave me
0: amen that's that's really helpful last question we're all together the whole world is in the middle of something that we've never been through in our lifetimes before what's your best hope for how this ends like, what are your best hopes for life when we talk about coronavirus in the past rather than the present? Oh,
1: you're, I definitely know the answer to this one. It may not be popular, but I love the last three months because I have gotten to know my neighbors. Mm. I have had conversations with people that I haven't known just socially distant in the Hannaford parking lot Mm -hmm. I have had game nights with my children Mm. you know over and over again Mm. I have had time to work in my garden Mm. I've read books I've just laid in my hammock Mm. Um, I've checked in on neighbors you know and asked if they needed stuff I've donated to the food pantries I uh, I hope that we, after all of this, remember to go back to those basics mm. of caring and loving for each other. Mm. That's what I hope for.
0: I love that because you know, it's so true for me too. A lot of the things I see in the news about the divisions that are in our society, they're all there. But not in our little towns in the same way that you think. That's on a much bigger level. What's going on in our towns mostly is people helping each other and caring about each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: People out walking, waving Mm. at each other. You know, just even just driving through town, waving at each other.
0: So true. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'd like to invite now for the listeners to just take a second because as one of the things that we have to celebrate is these conversations, Profiles of Endurance, would not be happening if it weren't for coronavirus. We would be too busy with parish meetings. We'd be too busy doing business as usual, and we would not be taking the time for conversations like this. So I'm just taking a second to savor this one, and I'd love to invite you to join me. What is it that Kathy said today that really spoke to something in your life was it some part of the bed rest story was it the uh, shock of finding out that her life was going to take a different turn than she expected when one pregnancy turned into three is it how she endured advocating for her children at a time when their situations were unknown to professionals is it the way she speaks about Forgiveness for things that didn't turn out the way that they were expected to. Is it thy will be done? Is it that unwavering hope that God wants us in heaven? And if we can just hold on to go through the story, we can know that that is our destiny. What is it you most needed to savor from this conversation? Kathy, thank you so much for this time. And thank you. Your openness is, it's helping me, it's healing me, and I know it's healing so many others. And I, I know this will be spread far and wide, and I am so honored to be a part of it. So thank you for letting us bask in your light. And thank you, and to all of our listeners, thank you for being with us. May God bless you all.